everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengerd, founder of Wengerd Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. This is the seventh and last message in this series. And really, it's the end of the three sets of messages called Hope in the Spirit, Hope in the Soul, and Hope in the Body. Last time, I talked about experiencing eternal life now and how how Jesus showed us the way to live in full connection with the power of God every day of our lives. Today, I want to talk to you about another key element that is so often missed in the lives of people today. That key element is rest. Have you ever found yourself struggling to understand or to access the things of God, so much so that you became frustrated with even trying anymore? Well, you're not alone in your experience. The title for today's message comes from Matthew 11:28-30, and reading out of the message by Eugene Peterson. So I printed it out. I have it in front of me here, and I'd like to read that for you now. He says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow, doesn't that sound good? Sounds like a fresh, cool rain on a hot day. He takes all the struggle that we seem to go through and he says, Come here, let me show you how. Today's message is called Unforced Rhythms of Grace. Have you ever sat and just watched the gentle waves on the shore of a lake or of the ocean? I was recently reminded about my relationship with God and how it should be as simple as the examples that we see in nature. I was thinking about creation and of, you know, just everything in the natural world and how it was all spoken into being by the voice of God. The entire universe simply responded to his voice and, and came into being. It came into alignment and into rhythm with him. Do you know that God imagined you in his heart before anything was ever formed or created? Everything was created in rhythm with God. Everything flows in rhythm with God, and everything returns back in rhythm back to God. In Ephesians 1.4, it says that all of the goodness of God was chosen for you before the foundation of the world. Your only requirement is to respond by believing this. But how many people actually hear the message of God's goodness and of his love toward them and then respond with unbelief or fear? All of the rest of creation was not given a choice in how it would respond to God's voice. It simply responded. But because God wanted a relationship with us, mankind was given a choice. We have a choice every day when we wake up. How will we respond to the voice of God? It seems to me that most of the problems in our life come from how we have responded to God's voice or how we have resisted his voice. Religion is the result of trying to fix our problems by creating rules and requirements instead of responding to the active voice of God. He calls us and desires our heart as a man and woman draw each other's hearts to themselves. There's a freedom and simplicity to being in the presence of God. He doesn't require anything of us except to believe in Him 
and to know him for his goodness. When I sit and, and watch the soft waves roll gently onto a shallow beach, I, I see a partnership and a connection between the sand and the water. They both need each other to create the rhythm and the sound of the gentle waves. Without the beach, the water would never stop. And without the waves, the beach would become hard and unyielding. In the same way, the Spirit of God in our hearts keeps us soft and pliable to his love. Now, I want to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 again, but this time I want to read it in the New King James. It's Jesus talking, and he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the heart of Jesus right here. Think of it. He didn't, he didn't come to give us difficulty. You know, Jesus was talking to his followers about the life he wants them to be living. His heart has never been to give, give people a complicated life. He, he so desires for us to know him in this simplicity. Doesn't this just make you want to find out more about what he's talking about? It sure makes me want to get to know him more deeply in this way. Of all the people in the Old Testament who truly seem to be able to find and access the presence of God, I think about King David. And, of course, he was called the man after God's own heart. Even though his life at times looked bleak, and he would have had much more to complain about than many of us, he still found his way back to desiring and meditating on the presence and the Spirit of God, and we can read about that in, in the Psalms. I mean, David's journey is well documented. Jesus himself described this simple relationship in Luke 10 when he was in the house of Mary and Martha. And if you remember, Martha, they both sat at Jesus' feet and then Martha got pulled away by all of the serving and the, the responsibilities of having a house full of people. So, like Martha, how many times do you find yourself turning away from him to take care of something that seems to be more important or pressing. It seems as if time itself has become so precious that we are no longer willing to spend it on him. The spiritual law of sowing and reaping is just as active in this case as it in any other time. We sow to ourselves and then we wonder why we're reaping such a painful or chaotic harvest. Begin again to sow into your relationship with God, and you will see the results in your life begin to change. This is where the dreams are awakened again in your heart. This is when God is free to reveal his desires for you. It is in these times spent with God that you're able to see things from his perspective. Too many Christians are asking God for a miracle, but they haven't spent time conceiving the miracle with God in their heart. Instead of running to him in desperation, Go to him in adoration, and the answers you need will come to you effortlessly, just as the waves come softly to the beach. Jesus talked much more about the simplicity of following him than of anything else. Many times we find him using examples in nature of how this should work for us. So I understand that most of the time when we think of hope in the body, we're thinking about healing. But why exactly did Jesus go around healing? He healed all who were sick and oppressed. But why? This is why. Jesus came to show God's goodness and favor toward us and to destroy the works of the devil.
So the next question that I have for you is one that requires each of you to answer it for yourself. You can't simply hear teaching on this and then remain neutral in your answers. The very nature of the question is personal and it requires a personal response. Are you ready? Does God want you well? Is that all of the time? We are to lay hold of the hope set before us. This is our first act of faith. We need to take it on purpose. We can't just say, well, I guess whenever it happens, if it happens or if it's God's will, I can promise you it is God's will. Look at the acts of Jesus. He demonstrated what God wanted to happen and continues to want to happen. Do you know that Jesus never even taught healing? He preached and then he demonstrated the kingdom by healing. Healing was an outworking of it. Healing was a, uh, an example of it. Faith is born when God's will is known in your heart. You have to know that it is God's will for you to be well. Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and then he healed all who came to him. He will meet you at your point of faith. He responds to your faith, not your need. Your needs are always going to be there. In fact, a better way to say this is, your faith responds to his provision of healing that has already been provided. Even, you know, when Jesus described this in Luke 4, 18, he, he talked about what he came to do. I'm going to read that here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So he was describing what he came to do, and he, this includes so many things. These verses, are, they're the best description that Jesus gave for why he came to the earth. He came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. This includes financial blessing. What is good news to the poor? Financial blessing. Emotional healing. Deliverance from demonic oppression. Physical healing. And God's unending favor continually upon us. That's what he means by the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's acceptance. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God and then he demonstrated it with healing. Luke 9 verse 11 describes this. And I want to read that as well, just so you can see the order. It says, But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who had need of healing. So the healing was almost an afterthought. It was almost, uh, well, of course. Of course I'm, I'll bring healing. I'm preaching the kingdom. It's an outward sign of a greater truth that's already at work in, in their lives and in our lives. Peter talked about this in 2 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 and 4, where he literally says that all things required for life and godliness have already been given to us. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul says, and he says something we tend to forget sometimes in our search for more knowledge, that, but there comes a time when we must acknowledge that God's will is always that the kingdom of God manifests physically in our bodies and doesn't remain only as words. In, in that verse, he says, uh, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So there it is. God never wants any effects of sin in us at all. And look at Paul, how Paul describes the, 
the will of God as shown in his promises, 2 Corinthians 1.20. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen. So he's saying, yes, yes, yes. The will of God is for, for this to, to manifest in our lives. Now, I know that I've said this before, but I want to say it again. We need to look very closely at whether we're wishing something would happen, or in other words, like hoping that it happens sometime in the future, or if we have a confident expectation that God's promises are true and for us, for you, right here and right now. Our spiritual hope enters into that within the veil where Jesus went as our forerunner. Our hope goes in with Jesus as our high priest forever. And then it, this is described, it's a done deal in 1 Peter 2.24. It says, by his stripes you were healed. It's, it's complete. It's finished. If God's will is that we are truly dead to sin and its effects, then his will is that we should live in divine health because that would make us immune to sickness. Sickness is a result of sin. There was no sickness or sin in the garden. So when sin entered the world, sickness then became a part of it. So it's a very good thing to be healed of a sickness or an infirmity in your body. And I want to congratulate you and be excited about you about that. But it's even more closely God's will that you don't even need healing because sickness has no hold on you. The question I would say is, did Jesus ever get sick? Of course not. If he would have gotten sick, then he would have effects of sin in his body and he lived perfectly. So sin had no power over him, therefore sickness had no power over him. Now if we are to live by his example, then how can we accept something into our body that we know would not have been accepted or even possible to affect Jesus? Now remember, even if you deal with sickness or any other effect of sin in the world, God is always gracious and kind. Condemning thoughts never even enter his mind. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So he is not condemning you. But his will is that you are free from it, free from all effects of sin and of death. If you're free from the law of sin and death, then that includes all effects of that. Now, we need to see our right for healing as a matter of our position in him and not just a request that we're making of God. He has already granted us full provision for healing and favor. His favor is always on Jesus and everything that Jesus accomplished. Receiving healing or any other part of what Jesus paid for on the cross is a matter of understanding what has truly and fully been granted to us from that time all the way to now. But now, the key here to entering into the unforced rhythms of grace is a very simple act of the heart called worship. We see in Psalms that worship was the primary key in David's life. And I want to show you that this way of life in God's kingdom is very strategic as well as enjoyable. The reason for this is that we were created for worship and for singing from the very beginning. All of God's angels sing. When they announce something, they sing. We came from heaven. So that's where we're from. That's what we are created to do. It, it's a very clear instruction for us to use uh, when we look at you know, David's description. He talks about singing and praise and lifting your hands so many times. 
So when we come into the presence of God, we are to use this as, well, this is a description of it. So I imagine walking through the, the massive gates with thanksgiving in my heart and, and, and praise <laughs> coming out of my mouth. I really, like, okay, imagine I'm entering the courts of the king with songs of praise. And when I do this, all of heaven pauses to see who is entering with thanksgiving and praise. And they say, it's one of us. Because they're all thanking him and praising him as well. Now, I led worship in two different churches for a total of 10 years. And the Lord has used that experience to do amazing things in my life. I've seen where the very attacks of the enemy have been stopped by worship and by singing praise to God. Every time that I've allowed my heart to soar in worship while singing or even playing songs of worship, I've felt like angels have been sent and commissioned to fight for me. As I begin praising God for his goodness, the sound of my voice becomes a battle call of power where thousands of angels come swirling around, clearing the area around me from all evil forces. I don't need to fight my own battles. I simply need to trust God completely in my heart. And then I begin to praise him for his goodness and his faithfulness. I don't take it lightly. I've used worship and singing as a primary tool to prepare my own heart and then to prepare the area. So about a year ago, around one o'clock in the morning, I got a message from a friend of mine who is also a partner with our ministry. And he said that he and his wife were headed to the office where they work to pray about some of the struggles and disunity that had been happening between them and their, co their co-workers. God told me to tell them to sing and praise him in the building and even like around in the parking lot before anyone else arrives for work. No one else would be at the office for at least four or five hours. So they were free to release the power of God in that place with their praise. Their simple act of praise and worship intentionally in the building has completely shifted the atmosphere and the attitudes of all of their employees since that time. It is our joy which actually opens up the power of God to flow in our lives. Can you picture this? That your soul is like a, a water valve with your redeemed spirit on one side and your physical body and circumstances on the other side. When you release your heart to sing and praise God and to experience true joy as a child would, th that valve in your heart completely opens up to the power of God in your spirit. As that valve opens up, the power of God begins flowing from your perfectly redeemed spirit through your soul and into your physical body. This is when healing begins to manifest. This is when your financial situation begins to change. This is when your relationships begin to mend. Not only that, but when your soul is full of joy and open to receive, it is also open to give to those around you. Do you realize that when we release joy and praise, we show God's heart? Our Father is not sitting on his throne worrying and fretting about all the things that we see going on around us. He rejoices and fills his heart with great excitement over all of the good things that he is able to bring to you and to me and to his people all around the world. If the joy of the Lord was the strength for Nehemiah and the rest of the Israelites in the Old Testament, how much more is it our strength? And we have a better covenant with better promises. God's heart is full of joy and healing and blessing flow from him like a river. Allow your heart to be full of joy while you sing and praise him. The joy of the Lord will begin to transform every area in your life. Get to know him deeply. 
come away with him and begin to experience the unforced rhythms of grace. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm.